What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of VGM Generations. I'm Mike Posbon, and with me this time is Jordan Belinsky. I'm bad. I'm cool. I'm no one's fool. <laughs> oh, very good. And Norm Gerhardt. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you threw Norm off his game. Usually you he's know the one bringing the next. <laughs> oh, that was great. Uh, for those that don't know, VGM stands for Video Game Music, and we are taking you through the generations. Basically, once a week, three friends with varied gaming backgrounds get together and take you through some of their favorite music from the games they love. And remember to stick around to the end of the episode for contest details, just like Sean Steinke did last month and pretty much every month. Sean is our number one, uh, you know, super fan. He took over the title from Norm. Norm used to be the super fan. Now he's on the podcast. Now Sean's the super fan. So eventually uh, Sean will make his way onto the podcast. Hey, I, I would I'd not say no to that at all. Sean, Me. if you want to drive to Calgary, I know you live in Edmonton. If you want to drive down to Calgary and join the podcast, you're more than welcome. Dreams do come true. That's right. Podcast. <laughs> so yeah, Sean's the best fan we could ever hope for the best fan we have. And uh, so I figured I'd give him the game uh, this month after, you know, a whole year of dedicated service. So uh, we'll reach out to him and ask him what he wants to play. And uh, in this month's episode, we are talking about intro or title themes. What what, do, what would you guys call them? Intro title theme, menu music. It's all I'd the stuff that starts at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Anything before level one, right? Like yeah. title, title theme kind of works for me, but title theme. Yeah, yeah, just the game's theme or whatever. Because I, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to call these series. Yeah, I'm and some, title theme. some games have multiple intros and title themes. So is anything before you start the game. All right, sounds good. <laughs> so opening, because game openings. <laughs> because it's the beginning of the year, right? Yeah, that's so. right, yeah. So uh, yeah, so I will go first. And uh, for this month, I picked uh, the one Halo game that I didn't talk about when I did Halo month. So uh, Halo 2. Uh, is the one I picked this time. So, and the track is Prologue. Obviously, this game was developed by Bungie, published by Microsoft Game Studios, and came out in the year 2004. And the soundtrack, as with most Halo soundtracks, was done by Marty O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore. So, um, obviously, Halo 2. Uh, no subtitle for Halo 2. Subtitle for Halo 1, but not 2. They just dropped it all together. It was just Halo 2. Just get that Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> Halo 2, get that Mountain Dew. That'd have been great. Uh, but no. So obviously the sequel to the formerly most popular and best-selling game on the original Xbox. So it surpassed itself. Um, went on to become the best-selling game on the original Xbox by far. Uh, on release, um, and for two years after it released, it was the most popular game on Xbox Live as well. It was kind of the big push for Xbox Live when they were coming out with the service. They were like, Halo is already our tentpole franchise and what better game could like push our online service than Halo? Um, so by June 20th, 2006, a little over two years after it was released, more than 500 million games of Halo 2 had been played and more than 710 million hours had been spent playing on Xbox Live. So, a lot of hours <laughs> of Halo. Um, also, uh, of course, if you've played Halo 2 or if you know anything about Halo 2 at all, uh, there's the much-talked-about cliffhanger ending. So, basically, Halo was never um, designed to be a trilogy at all. It was designed to be a standalone game. And then after the first one was like a giant success, they were like, all right, we need some more. So they came to them. They started development of Halo 2. Halo 2's development was a little rushed. And also by the end of like Halo 2's development, they were like, no, this isn't going to be two games. This is going to be three games. And so they kind of cut the end of Halo 2 off very abruptly. Uh -oh. And uh, that, was a, that was a big sticking point. And that's why 
this game is more fondly remembered for its multiplayer and its online than it is for its single player because that kind of ruined the experience for a lot of people, even though you did in this game get to play as the Arbiter, which some people liked and some people didn't. But um, this was the big multiplayer one, right? Like, did the first one have multiplayer? It did. Uh, this it, was when it went online. But it was local multiplayer or uh, connected lands. So you could connect the boxes together and play up to 16 players on four separate TVs, yeah. um, which was cool. And lots of people did, but um, they really. A lot of work, right? Yeah, and yeah. like, uh, and you needed to cart your TVs over to your friends' houses and stuff, which we did. But <laughs> I did do that uh, one or two times. But um, it, they said, like, this is the game that we want to bring this game online. Like, we want to make multiplayer something that everybody can enjoy, not just people that have a lot of friends close to them and have the ability. Because you got to remember, this is CRT days. Like, there were LCDs in 2004, but they were, like, prohibitively expensive, right? Like, this is... I got to carry my 35 pound or, 30, you know, 135, 135 pound TV to my <laughs> friend's house. Yeah. yeah. It'd be more accurate. Uh, and like hook it up 35. If you have to one of those like little 13 inch yeah, TVs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I did when I was a kid, but, um, to talk a bit about the music and like the, the development of the music, um, Marty said that making a sequel is never a simple promise proposition. Uh, you want to make everything that was cool, even better and leave out all the stuff that was weak. So, uh, one of the things he focused on this game focused on for this game was, um, he said he didn't want the game to be silent at any point. Uh, he said he wanted there always to be at least some ambient sounds. So he's like, if you're watching a scary movie or playing a scary game, what makes it scarier are like the creaky floorboards or, you know, the, the random sound often in the corner. And so he was like, that's the stuff we need to add to this game to take it to the next level. Uh, the other thing he did was he said he didn't want to focus on like uh, Lee motifs or any sort of like motif for each level like he had done with the other game. He said he took the Peter and the wolf approach, which was sad music for sad moments, scary music for scary bits and so on and so forth. And any themes that had like evolved from that were just uh, coincidental. Um, so this was the first game that they mixed in uh, Dolby 5.1 digital surround sound. So that was a big deal at the time. Ooh. Yeah, everybody, all the all the people who had 5.1 setups at home, you know. Do you guys remember those like box 5.1 setups that I, like they still sell them, but like at the time, at the time this was coming out, like those were the big thing. Like you'd go into like A and B sound or whatever when that was still open or <laughs> HMV when that was still open, they're all gone now. But you could buy like that, like Sony, like surround sound in a box. Oh yeah, like it, it, it would come with all together. the speakers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now people don't do that anymore. So as much people like pick their speakers and pick their setups. But yeah, yeah. I remember that being like the thing. And my buddy had one. Like my buddy who I played a lot of Halo with had one of those in the box, and it was like, oh, the gunshots are behind us. Yeah, yeah. it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, movies had done it for a while, so now video yeah. games were catching up. So people exactly. were, were excited for that. Exactly. So we're going to listen to the prologue track, which is obviously the, the opening music. So it's actually the opening menu music and it extends into the opening cutscene. So let's listen to prologue from Halo 2.
trying to remember what that reminds me of. It almost sounded like the intro to like a wrestler's theme song <laughs> as he comes down to the ring. It kind of does, I doesn't it? I, I'm yeah. trying to think of what wrestler I'm, I'm visualizing in my head, but anyways. <laughs> I just hear glass breaking. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, there's also that sound effect in there. Um, so uh, that, uh, that guitar sound was actually provided by Steve Vai, who if you... Uh, if you're into music and guitars, especially, you'll know who Steve Vai is. He's like this legendary guitarist. Um, always was really famous for doing like these crazy, you know, metal guitar sounds. Um, so he collaborated on that song. Um, so I'm actually going to talk about uh, specifically the soundtrack and soundtracks that came out for this game. So um, another person, uh, legendary person who was involved with the Halo 2 soundtrack was Nile Rogers who's a very, uh, himself a very uh, famous guitarist and also producer. Um, if you don't know Nile Rogers, if you've never heard the name before, he uh, also produced and played on the uh, Daft Punk album, uh, Random Access Memories that came out a couple of years ago. He was a big part of that as well, which is where I know him from, actually. Um, did he contribute to the album or just a certain he song? He did a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, he also okay. did contribute a little bit to the composition, but specifically to the first soundtrack. So what happened with this game was um, they decided that they were going to release two soundtracks for the game, not just one. So the first one that launched were special mixes of music that was from the game, but not in the game and um, music that was inspired by the game. So, and from artists, including breaking Benjamin, who and incubus oh, wow. who wrote a four movement piece for the first album. That's crazy. What yeah. a bunch of bands that were huge at that time. Well, yeah. And that was the thing, right? And then like, that was kind of like reaction to that was sort of 50, 50. Like some people thought it was cool. And some people were like, this is weird. I just want the, you know, the music from the game. Yeah. Um, the second volume that came out was the music from the game. Um, and it came out over a year after it was done being like composed and mixed and everything like that. And apparently that was due to legal issues. And I couldn't find online what those quote unquote legal issues were, but they were just like, we can't release this music yet. So I'm not sure what it was. There was like maybe some sort of copyright something or anyway, you're, you're talking about the licensed music from the bands. No, no, this is okay. the, the actual soundtrack from the oh, game. Like okay. the licensed music came out first, which is the weird part, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, and then obviously like it's to mix uh, in-game music into a soundtrack is not the simplest of things, right? Because obviously the music change is in, is dynamic with the game. So what Marty did is he organized it into suites um, that correspond with the flow of the game. So what we listened to technically was like that first arrangement is the prologue that we just listened to. Um, the other thing uh, was the, the company that uh, produce the soundtrack really pushed the soundtrack as like a promo item for the game. Like it was, it was one of the first times where it was like getting the soundtrack with the game or buying the soundtrack alongside the game was like a big deal. Um, especially because they had all those, because the first soundtrack, the volume one released at the exact same time as the game. So with all those other artists and stuff like that. So it was kind of like, Ooh, here are all this cool other music that's related to the game sort of thing. Um, the first several million copies of the game sold all included promo inserts for the soundtrack. 
And then um, they said that they even like they would set up like in HMV or something like that. There would be a demo of the game right next to like a listening station that had the soundtrack. So you could kind of like, oh, yeah, they were really pushing it kind of thing. It was a big part. They were really proud of their soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so but the one that's the most like personal to me uh, of all the promo stuff they did was the so there's people who just listened to this were probably and who are big Halo fans were probably expecting me to play uh, what's called the Milnir mix of from the Halo I, theme. Yeah, I was expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> That's some sarcasm there. <laughs> Doesn't always come through on the, on the podcast, <laughs> but um, that is the first track from volume one, which is like the Steve Vai, like super Halo theme with all the really heavy guitars in it, which you get like a little piece of on prologue, but not the whole thing. And um, that was also released as a free download for Guitar Hero 3 on the Xbox 360, which I was a big fan of that game at the time. So when I was able to play that in Guitar Hero, that was I was I was pumped. That, on that. song was obviously an exclusive to that console, right? Yeah, to that yeah. version of you said to what? that version of Guitar Hero. Guitar yeah. Hero, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, the fr- as soon as I got that game, mm. that was the first thing I did. I went online, I downloaded that track, and I played it first. That was like, I was like yes, <laughs> this is gonna be cool. So because <laughs> like that Halo theme, that guitar, that Steve Vai guitar is like so legendary now and like everybody knows that song so so yeah that's uh halo 2 uh norm what do you got for us this week i'm gonna be talking about quake um another shooter yes it's a shooter, shooter it- from 1996 originally released on pc uh it was developed by id software um many might know them for you know doom wolfenstein the Com- new doom commander keen yeah um, and of course, Quake, which is one of my favorite of their series. I think I like the Quake series more than Doom, actually. Ooh. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> words. Yeah. I don't have a horse in the race. Yeah. <laughs> but me neither. Uh, so this was kind of considered a successor to Doom. Uh, unlike Doom, it had uh, real time uh, 3D rendered environments. So Doom was a lot different. It had, you know, s- sprites and. And, you know, if you were facing a piece of armor, it would look the same from every angle you looked at at, looked at it. <laughs> Whereas in Quake, uh, everything was rendered. So you could go around and look at the back of something. And yeah, even. Yeah. So it was. Doom came first, right? Yes. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was it was really well received. Uh, it was directed by John Romero, who was like, He's kind of a polarizing figure figure in id's history um i don't know if i won't get into that but uh and programmed by john carmack who is i think he's still kind of one of the lead guys at id if not the lead guy and like just a like a certifiable genius carmack right like he was the guy that they said like they would have some sort of problem with like you know, development or programming. And he'd like go into a room for like three days on his own and come out with the solution. Yep. Like, yep. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I know, I know at least one guy very, very similar. Uh, anyway. Yeah. John Carmack, funny story about that is my favorite game for PC of all time is Ultima Underworld. I don't know if I've gotten into that much before, but um, John Carmack saw a demo of Ultima Underworld when it came out, I think in 1991. And he said, yeah, that's cool. I bet I can write a faster texture mapper. And that's where Wolfenstein came from. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he was just inspired to outdo somebody. Yes. And he yeah. made a game. <laughs> that's crazy. But, but uh, Ultima Underworld actually did have real-time 3D rendered 
objects and environments. So sorry, John Wolfenstein didn't quite cut it. Even if your texture <laughs> mapper was faster, it wasn't true 3d. Anyway, quake was true 3d and, uh, it was, it was quite, um, I, I remember playing it first, the first time and, and being pretty, uh, impressed with things like the frame rate, right? Where playing something like Star Fox, you know, on the SNES, <laughs> the frame hips, rate's yeah. like, you know, uh, three frames per second or whatever it was. It's so. funny because like, <laughs> just to go on a tangent off that, like the SNES Classic also has Star Fox yep. 2, right? And But it is, the hardware is exactly emulated. So yes. the, a big portion they think of why that game wasn't released is because it ran like, you know, like a, like it was running on a potato. Like it's terrible. Yeah. It's terribly framing. I I played it like a couple of weeks ago yeah. on the SNES Classic, and yeah. I I really like Star Fox too. Actually, oh, I think it's got soul. Yeah, like yeah. they they were trying to do some really groundbreaking, innovative stuff, yeah. and a lot of that ended up going to the N sixty four, and some yeah. of it ended yes. up going on to the latest Star Fox, like the yeah. whole Landwalker thing was yeah. back from Star Fox too, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I think it's a quality product that is unfortunately uh, hampered somewhat by the hardware, but we're not here to talk about Star Fox no. 2. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I like tangents. So anyway, like I said, Quake was really well received and it uh, it's kind of recognized as the father of um, uh, what are you, Machinima. Are you guys familiar with yeah. that? Kind of, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, where they make Team Fortress 2 is a big uh, Red versus blue. Is kind of stuff. Yeah, you know. Actually, to go back to Halo, yeah. Basically making making animation with a, a game engine. So. Yeah, just recording like game scenes and then adding text yeah, or voiceover voice to it. it. Goofy or serious or whatever. But yeah. I, I think Quake is where that really took off. Um, people using the engine just because a lot of the, a lot of its games at the time allowed people to go in and mod it and stuff. So yeah, uh, I think there's like a million versions of Doom that are different mods yes. and, and whatnot. So My favorite version sense. of Doom is the run that runs runs in the new MacBook Pro Touch Bar. Yeah, Have I've, you seen, I've that? seen that? <laughs> I saw that on Reddit. Yeah, I love yeah. that. So yeah, I, I mentioned Team Fortress Two. The original original Team Fortress was actually a Quake mod, and then it was a Half Life mod, and then Team Fortress Two. Of course, Valve took that over and made it a standalone game, which very popular. Um, so. Yeah, Quake, Quake spawned a lot of that kind of um, PC. A lot of PC culture was inspired kind of by Quake and its uh, its capabilities as an engine. Uh, so onto the music. The music was pretty unique as well. It was composed by Trent Reznor uh, of Nine Inch Nails. And uh, it, it's very ambient. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Nine Inch Nails at all. Um, more recently, not maybe, I don't know, sure when it was, maybe 10 years ago, he released a album called Ghosts yeah, 1 to 4. I love that album. It's very, it's kind of similar style, most yeah. of the music in Quake. Um, uh, but at the same time, so the title track, uh, the Quake theme that I'm going to play is a bit different. It actually sounds more like it could have been out of the Downward Spiral, which came out a couple of years before Quake. Almost that I wonder if Trent didn't have like an unused track from the downward spiral. Oh, and he was like, yeah, this didn't quite make the cut, but I like it. So I'm going to tweak it a bit and use it in I quake. Wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> well, I mean, and you hear stories like that all the time. Oh yeah. And so. I, I mean, I've done it myself too. Like, uh, you know, a couple of years later, I want to do something and I find an old song I'd started and I pick it back up and tweak it a bit. And 
it's new. Yeah. Because <laughs> no one ever heard it. The new and improved. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe he was writing something for the game and he's like, ooh, I'm going to save this for my next album as well. You never know. Yeah. yeah. So, so this track is, is a bit different than the rest in Quake. But yeah, it's all very ambient. He admired the atmosphere of the game and that's what made him want to compose for it. I know he was a big fan of Doom. Uh, so let's have a listen to the Quake theme. Uh, it's called Persia Inversion. Uh, I don't know if that's Trent's name for it. I'm surprised it wasn't Persian inversion, but uh, let's have a listen. does sound it does remind me of just like that super heavy metal sound though right? yeah like, well it's funny because this is uh an id property and this soundtrack reminds me very much of the new doom soundtrack which i, I was think, gonna say yeah it kind of yeah, sounds like the new doom because the composer uh i just had to look up his name real quick because if i get it wrong i've talked about him on the podcast <laughs> so i can't get his name wrong mick yeah. mick gordon uh i think he was he must be heavily inspired by Nine Inch Nails, the industrial music scene, because like the Killer Instinct and Doom soundtracks that he put out over the last few years, they sound like Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. So funny, like I, I was a big fan of Nine Inch Nails, uh, you know, in later high school years and, and through university. And how I got into it wasn't through Quake, but it was almost at the same time. It was with Doom. I had been making maps for doom and one of the things that we would do me and my friend is we would we'd find midi music to replace the doom music and hear how it played through the doom engine um and i was like oh nine inch nails that's kind of edgy so i'll pick some <laughs> nine inch nails songs <laughs> what a roundabout instrumentals <laughs> and then so i knew a lot of the it was mostly from pretty hate machine i knew a lot of those songs but I knew them as played through the Sound Blaster through Doom's engine. Oh, that's cool. That's so that, crazy. I, I want to hear that yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, at some point in high school, my sister was dating a guy who had left his book of CDs at my house, and I had to study for an exam, and I saw this book, and I was like, oh, Nine Inch Nails. Maybe I'll give it a listen. So that's when I first actually started listening to Nine Inch Nails because we wouldn't have a... So you, up to that point, you hadn't actually heard no, the real... <laughs> I only knew the instrumental... That's crazy. That's versions. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and then, yeah interestingly uh nine inch nails was uh used in quake like officially so i guess i don't know they were inspired by you norm mm. <laughs> <laughs> that must be the that's got to be like the most unique way of discovering a band that i've ever heard yeah <laughs> no, i still yeah it, it's pretty funny it's good one more thing about quake before we leave it quake is where the rocket jump came from right 
Uh, I believe Quake 2. You might have been able to was, do it in Quake 1. Oh, okay. I first encountered it in Quake 2. I just remember hearing about that sometime. I, I never played Quake. It was kind of before my time, before, yeah. I, before I had a proper PC and a proper PC setup for gaming. Um, but yeah, I just remember people talking about like Quake was the original rocket jump. Like any game that has a rocket jump or a double jump in it, you owe that to Quake. That's Quake, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a quick, quick extra couple facts. Reznor did all the sound effects as well. He voiced the ranger, which is your main character in Quake. So oh, all his jumping cool. sound effects and grunts are actually Reznor's voice. Yeah. Um, he was asked about uh, composing for Quake 2, the sequel, and said basically it didn't have the right atmosphere, um, unlike Quake, for him to compose it. So mm. he declined, I guess. Interesting. Good and for he, him. Also, a quick fact we were just talking about before the before the uh, podcast started, the Triceratops in Super Mario World are named yeah, the, after him. Yeah, the <laughs> sub boss. They so much like they had to put his name on the wall, didn't they? Like, wasn't it like they were on a wheel that That's was right. spinning? Yeah. And yeah. then there was a sign that literally said like Resnor or Resnors or something <laughs> like that. It's engraved in the wood. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it> <laughs> so just so you know who you're fighting. But yeah. Uh, Jordan, what do you have for us this week? I'm going old school, I guess, a little bit in comparison, uh, going back to 1993. And I'm going to talk about, if you hadn't guessed from my, uh, my intro quote, I'm going to talk about Clay Fighter. Clay Clay Fighter, uh, <laughs> developed by Visual Concepts. Like I said, 1993. Are they still around? Um, that's a good question. I don't think so. I don't know. I've, you, n- I've not heard of a game by Visual Concepts in... Well, they might have been one of those company that merged into another company. Yeah, yeah, transformed. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure. They were. It was developed by Visual Concepts, um, released on the Super Nintendo and the Genesis slash Mega Drive, and eventually came out on the Wii Virtual Console. According to Wikipedia, was only on the Sega version on Virtual Console. So, the, oh. That's weird. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is on the super Nintendo virtual console, but was the uh, Sega version more popular? Uh, I don't know. That's obviously where I played it as a kid. Like yeah. when I rented it, it was on the Genesis. So, so you are somewhat familiar with yeah. oh, this, yeah. the series. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's good. Cause I only know the super Nintendo version. So oh, yeah. maybe you can throw in some Genesis <laughs> classic Mike tidbits. and Jordan. Yeah. 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 Um, what's interesting is the, uh, Visual Concepts developed the game, but if for those that don't know, Clay Fighter is uh, uh, it's a two D fighter, uh, st- sort of a Street Fighter Two clone in the in the shadow of the Street Fighter Two era when a million fighting games came out. That was probably one of my favorite times in video game history as a as a fighter fan. Um, Clay Fighter had digitized sprites that were all um, taken from photographs of clay models. So in film, that's called uh, stop motion animation. In video games, I guess it's sort of the same thing. Uh, stop motion, pre-rendered graphics, kind of like Donkey Kong Country was. Exactly, yeah. But this was all designed with um, clay animation versus CG models. So the production, uh, the development of the actual clay animation was done by a professional clay animation studio. They were called Danger Productions. Not too familiar with them, but I had actually seen some of their work because I think they're most well known for uh, an animated show they did in the mid 90s called Bump in the Night. Oh, yeah. Do you guys know? Uh, yeah, oh, they I love Bump oh, in the Night. Yeah. They Mr. Did. Bumpy. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Bumpy, go Bump in the Night. <laughs> yeah, that was a classic. <laughs> and uh, so Danger Productions, the the team that did that show, they did Clay Fighter. And I believe That's they did. Cool. I believe they were attached to every Clay Fighter. 
Now the uh, and the and the game um, was published by Interplay, um, which I think a lot of people know. Interplay they're kind of more well known for publishing a lot of other titles, like a lot of like really goofy, quirky, bizarre games. Like they were, they published Earthworm Jim. Uh, fantastic. They actually published and developed Boogerman, which is another fantastic Not heard of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like when you, when you hold those up to the same light as Clay yeah, Fighter, they all kind sense. of feel like the same family of characters. For sure. Um, so real quick, the, uh, the story to Clay Fighter, uh, where do I have that here in my notes? Um, a meteor made entirely out of clay crash lands <laughs> on the grounds of a humble American circus. Uh, the goo from the interstellar object contaminates all of the circus attractions, transforming them into bizarre characters of their former selves mm. with new superpowers. So it's just like, you know, what you would expect. Giant clay radioactive power gives all the circus folk powers. Yeah. And what do they do with these powers? Well, they fight. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I didn't even know this game had a story. <laughs> yeah, it does. There, there's like a little, little tiny intro plays before the game starts. Yeah. But uh, since we're on the topic of, of this little intro, once this intro, uh, they, they have this little animated sequence where you can see the clay coming to the circus, it crash lands, boom. And then there's like this little title screen. They show all the characters from the game in this little circle. And, uh, some something comes up that says like they want to fight to become the champion of the blah blah blah. I don't know. It's just some stupid storyline to to get you to you know have all the characters have a battle royale or something like that. Yeah. But uh, the best part of this game is clearly the title music. It's a fun fighting game, but I mean the soundtrack it's okay. But this title song is so good. <laughs> um, I know when it when it when there's a Super Nintendo uh, Sega Genesis port, I always listen to both. I have to be fair and see what's out there because I mean I tend to lean more towards Nintendo, but yeah. I want to play more Sega on the on the podcast. So listening to both, but I always end up going with Super Nintendo for the exact same reason, and it kind of bugs me. So the Genesis port does not have voice samples, really, in the title Again. theme. Oh. Again. Mm. Yeah. Just like the Christmas one. You just did. like the Christmas one. Yeah. And just like the Power Rangers one I played yeah. last yeah, yeah, year yeah. too. So again, I always go with what sounds better. <laughs> voice samples. <I'm>, voice samples <laughs> wins in my book. Right, and I mean, enough. the voice samples is what makes this theme song. So without further ado, let's listen to the title theme from Clay Fighter. Sorry. From the top.
can't imagine it without the voice samples. Yeah, unless, see, I've never heard it with it. Unless, unless I was listening to, because uh, there's a few versions of the original Clay Fighter. There's Clay Fighter, and then there's Tournament Edition. I may have just listened to one of the wrong versions. I couldn't say. I maybe there is a version on Sega that has have, voice samples, but I don't think there is because most cases I find that Sega doesn't get the voice samples. Yeah, I have to ask you a question though. Yeah, because so. Um, what was the Santa game you played? What was it called? Uh, Days Before Christmas. Days Before Christmas. Yeah. Uh, so I listened to the Sega one when I was compiling the podcast. Yeah. And it was way slower. Like it, it was slowed down, not half, but like a significant amount. Yeah. Um, just in tempo. Was this one the same tempo on Sega, just minus the voice samples? Or was there a tempo shift as well? Um, I think it was the same. Okay. I could be wrong. But uh, if, you, if you remember... Uh, one of the reasons why there might be a tempo shift is because of the PAL versus yeah, North American yeah, versions versus, and yeah. uh, days before Christmas was a mega drive game. It wasn't a Genesis game. Oh, so okay. it, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. So you can actually change the, um, the audio speed or the, the, I guess the, what is it? Would it be just the speed of the game? I'm not sure yeah, yeah, uh, if you're running, much. if you're running it on an, on an emulator. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, I couldn't say for clay fighter, I listened to it and right away I was just like, okay, I'm already not really liking the music as much and then no voice samples. And I was like, okay, it's, it's obvious. I have to go super Nintendo yeah. again. For those that don't know what that we're talking about and are interested, I'll just go through it really quickly. So, um, in PAL games in Europe, uh, are run off their power system, which is a 50 Hertz power system. Whereas in North America, our power system is 60 Hertz. So 60 cycles per second. Um, so, for most games that were ported to European, they basically took the game and then just directly ported it, which meant the game played that little bit slower. So everything in it was slower, including the audio. I so think, that's why we're talking about that yeah, speed difference. And that, that's a good point. I feel like the gameplay is, it's noticeable, the difference, but the audio is very noticeable yeah. because it almost Especially feels if it's like a song it's you know. too slow or way too fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mentioned uh, earlier this game kind of released in the shadow of the Street Fighter 2 craze yep. um, and how awesome of a time that was for me. Well, uh, one of my earliest memories, the first time I had ever found out what Clay Fighter was, was one, uh, after one of my birthdays, I had a little bit of birthday money saved up. And uh, what you did back then when you were a kid was you would take that birthday money and go buy video games. Sometimes you would even take some of your current games and trade them in just to bump up that cash value and yeah. get even more games. So what I did for this birthday, I couldn't remember how old I was, but uh, I was probably somewhere between nine and 13. I, and uh, I took two games that I didn't play that much anymore. Uh, Mario Kart and Legend of Zelda Link to the Past <laughs> <laughs> and not thinking that traded them these in for are Clay Fighter? probably no no these oh, okay. are probably the best two games that I'll ever play in my life yeah. and I'm gonna just go trade them in because I played them so much I wanted to try something else so combine that with my birthday money and I was able to get about four or five games and uh, I had just played Street Fighter 2 I think I probably bought Street Fighter 2 Turbo. I know for sure I bought World Heroes 2. I bought Primal Rage. Again, uh, all, all, all fighting games. And a lot of these, I think I only knew they were fighting games. I didn't know if they were good or not. And then the last was obviously Clay Fighter. I bought that. And I think out of all of them, like Clay Fighter was very different. Like 
uh, fighting, fighting games were always trying to be like cool and hardcore. And then Mortal Kombat came out and it was all about the blood and the violence. And then you have Clay Fighter that's just, you know, goofy, silly. Goofy, yeah. Yeah. And I think in later games, they ended up copying Mortal Kombat and they came out with Claytalities. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was, uh, I think, one of the earliest video game regrets I had, though, because um, I think Link to the Past, I on depending on the day of the week, I might say it's my favorite game of all time. So the fact that I sold it for Clay Fighter, <laughs> <laughs> bit of a mark of shame. Bit of a, yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I want to say real quick was <clears throat> the list of uh, sequels and uh, I guess the longevity of the franchise, because this is one franchise I think could easily come back and it's really tried hard to. Um, after the first game, the success of the first game, they followed it up with uh, Tournament Edition, then Clay Fighter 2 Judgment Clay, then there was a sequel on N64 called uh, Clay Fighter 63 and a third, <laughs> which I feel like was maybe a, a spoof of the Naked Gun series naming convention. Oh, okay. Uh, like Clay Fighter's known for just parodies and, and making fun of things. Yeah, um, just for silliness. Then there was, I think, the rarest game on the N64. Um, it was Clay Fighter 63 and the third Sculptor's Cut. The story with this one was that it was a blockbuster exclusive rental only. So the game uh -huh. was never uh, to be bought. So you had to buy it when like Blockbuster went out of business and stuff. Or yeah, like when they were or just yeah, selling off never their games. Back. And that's <laughs> the only way you could get Sculptor's Cut. So oh, because of that, it has the title of being one of the rarest N64, if not the rarest. And then uh, in 2009, they tried to push this thing again. I think there was uh, some, some stories floating around that they were going to reboot the series. Never happened. And then... 2015, they announced again, uh, and when they when I say they, I, I think it's Interplay, the publisher, um, tried to push this one more time, and there was even a teaser trailer of uh, Bad Mr. Frosty, the, one of the one of the most famous characters in the franchise, the big snowman guy. Um, yeah, I think there was a little, I remember seeing it because it was only a couple of years ago, this little teaser trailer with Bad Mr. Frosty just sort of like, hey, here comes the new Clay Fighter. I did see that. You yeah. did, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And, and nothing broke my heart because as far as I know now, not only is it uh, not happening, but I think they just like shut the whole thing down. Like it's oh, like whatever whatever they started is has been scrapped. Yeah, it's gone. Never so, see the light of day. I mean, somebody out there is pushing for it. I'll be the first one to buy it when it comes out. You but never know. They might do it like a Kickstarter, like ukulele and stuff, yeah. right? You never I, know. I would be happy with that. Yeah. You, you'd buy it. You'd join in at the Kickstarter. I'd buy it. Top just, tier. Get the, I, <laughs> get the Mr. Frosty statue. Oh, yeah. I would buy it just because of what it is. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of nostalgia for it, but I think it's, um, there's a lot of potential for clay characters, right? Like when you look at what Mortal Kombat's doing and you just, you, you can make yourself essentially Mortal Kombat, but in PG or maybe like E for everyone because they're clay and they can do ridiculous stuff. Yeah. It's to liken it to like an FPS. It's kind of like Splatoon, right? Yeah, Splatoon oh yeah. has seen huge amounts of success exactly for that reason, because right? It's paint and not bullets. Exactly. So you can do like, so much with it. Yeah. And you just like kids want to play a first person shooter, but yeah. their parents don't want them to be playing call of duty or something. Yeah. Right. So Splatoon is like perfect niche in that market and sold like crazy. So, and it has a lot of personality. It's, it's fun. Yeah. So. Right on. I want a playable Mr. Bumpy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, that would be interesting. I, Clay Fighters had a lot of cameos, like Earthworm Jim's been in there, and uh, I'm trying to think, maybe Boogerman was in one. A couple of the interplay ones I talked about. Mr. Yeah. Bumpy would be great to put him in there. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they need to do. All right, so if you're listening, interplay. 
Yeah, that's what we want. We want Mr. Bumpy in a new Kickstarter Clay Fighter. Yeah, yeah. I'll, Perfect. I'll support that. All right, that'd be awesome. All right, so uh, that's it for our picks this month. Uh, and uh, now we're, or this week, I should say. And now we're going through what we've been playing or what Jordan's been playing specifically. So Jordan, oh, tell us what have you been playing? Geez, um, I'm in the middle of moving right now, so I haven't been playing much. But last time I had my computer hooked up, uh, I started, I think I just started playing A Hat in Time, which was a, a Christmas gift from from Norm. I got that one fired out, but I haven't had much time to put into it yet. Okay. Um, and Did you play, but you played a little, uh, I got through the first level and, uh, and then I had to disassemble my computer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm not playing anything right now. Um, and I think the other one I had on the go, which I had a little more time put into was Hellblade, which I think a few people know about. It's, uh, a double a title that recently won an award at the video game awards. Oh yeah, of course. Sorry. Yeah. Hellblade. Of course the one yeah. where you're going Senua's, crazy basically. Uh, oh, shoot. I forget the subtitle to it. Yeah. It's it a weird is one. a great game. Yeah. I want to play it. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know anything about it. Setsuna's I I Revenge. Play it. Is that right? Senua's something. It's her name is sacrifice. Sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the, the, the main character, um, she has like, delusions and voices in her head. So as you play through the game, these voices either guide you or sort of play up the atmosphere. And um, really you play the game with headphones on and the voices literally are going around in your head. Uh, unfortunately, I, picked, I, I got back into the game sort of partway through after putting it down for a few months. So I, uh, it's, it's got a, a system where if you, every time you die, there's like this black like plague that like crawls up your arm every time you die the the darkness crawls further and further up your arm and if it reaches the top of your arm essentially it's like a life bar um you die and you have to start from the beginning of the game so i started playing this game again after months of not playing it and immediately died twice at what i can only assume is not that hard of a part but relearning the controls and whatnot. I think i'm not going to make it through the game and i should probably <laughs> start over again yeah you probably have to start over yeah but uh, it's it's a fun game for sure. Yeah. So both of those are a little pricely pricey to put into the giveaway, oh. barring any uh, barring any um, <laughs> the Christmas sales over. <laughs> yeah, any sales or something like that. But uh, so we'll go to our default pick, which is Overwatch loot boxes. <laughs> All right, because <laughs> those are always easy to give away. I'll see if like if one of those happens to be on sale and you really want it, you know, and you win, just send me a message and uh, and I'll send you that one instead. But uh, yeah, so that is it for uh this week um i guess part one technically <laughs> of episode 22 of vgm generations and remember you can always tweet at us at vgm generations uh you can look us up on facebook vgm generations or email at us at the email address vgm generations at gmail.com and uh to win that contest that game giveaway we're always talking about any interaction on any of those platforms is great uh we especially appreciate uh reviews on itunes as it pushes us up the iTunes ranking, lets more people see the podcast. Um, the other thing I'll say is I especially appreciate retweets. So if you're following us on Twitter and you see me tweet out, retweets are great as well. Just gets uh, more eyes on the podcast, tries to grow the listenership a little more. Uh, yeah, so that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you guys next time.